Well, you've probably noticed it up at the top there that uh, we have James. And the reason we have James up there is uh, we're bringing in actually the James series into the Sunday morning. And the, uh, I'm doing that because a lot of people uh, don't come out to the Wednesday night who come out on uh, other times. Uh, it's a smaller number of folks and some other people come in and they tune in online. But still, there's a number of people who just don't get to to participate there at all. And so... We're bringing this in for a couple of reasons. One is so you can get a taste of James and maybe go on back and find out what the rest of it is that, that James has to say. But we were getting into a topic on this particular Wednesday, this past Wednesday night that generated a number of um, questions and things from, from people. So I wanted to take some time to deal with that here on Sunday morning because I think it is something that will will help all of us. But specifically, we're going to take a look at the words troubled or afraid. And if you were to be asked, are you troubled? Would you be able to know? Are you afraid? Now, a lot of times, we can't point to a specific scripture that say, this is what troubled is. So when we don't have a specific scripture we can point to that defines it for us, then we have opinions. And we generally come up with our own opinion on it. And a lot of people have opinions on what troubled and what afraid would be. And once we're open to our own opinion and we don't have the authority of the scriptures, we are susceptible to having a wrong expectation sown into us. When we have a wrong expectation, there's a Bible term for this, false hope. Wrong expectation is nothing less than false hope. And if I have faith... In a false hope, guess what that faith is? Faith is the evidence of things not seen. The substance of things hoped for. If my hope is off, my faith cannot be genuine. So a lot of times we we end up working on our faith, but we didn't change the hope. And so no matter how strong we are on that faith, no matter how much we we uh, listen to all the people and all the things that are taught about faith and we get the faith right, because the hope is wrong, the expectation is wrong, and the faith never comes to anything. And so we wanted to spend some time on this. James has been spending a good bit of time and there's a good bit of build-up between the chapters as we have been getting into them. So I hope we uh, get you at least a little interested and it, I'd ask for a show of hands how many people have not uh, tuned into James yet, but I don't want to embarrass anybody. You can use your inside hand and just say, that's me. But my hope is that when we're finished here today, you can know exactly how God defines a troubled or a fearful person. And you will know whether you are one or not. What I find is a lot of people tr- define themselves as fearful who are not. There's a lot of times people describe themselves, well, I'm just kind of a fearful person. I just, I have a lot of these, these things. And they're actually not by Bible standards. Now, human standards, it can be different. But we have to go by what the Bible says. Now, God is never one to give you expectations that are not true, that are not realistic. Remember the book of Romans, your reasonable service? God won't ask anything of you that is not reasonable. So if I can, if I expect 
or if I think the word is telling me to do something and it's not reasonable that I can accomplish that, then probably what I understand I'm supposed to be doing is wrong because our God is a reasonable one. Now, from one of the things we threw out on Wednesday night was the feelings of fear will not harm you. It's the effects of fear that will as that changes your words. So I'll just give you a little little summary from, from uh, Wednesday. We're, we're kind of building off of that. The feelings of fear will not harm you. Many times people are trying to purge themselves from the feelings of fear. You can't do that. But don't worry. Just because you have the feelings of fear doesn't mean you have the effects of them. It's the effects that bring problems. Now here's this, the command. If we take a look at this. In John chapter 14, we're going to look at verse 25 through 27. Another note here too. Mary had favor. Didn't she have favor from God? Mary had favor. That favor brought her a blessing, didn't it? But she was afraid. And if she allowed her words to be generated from the fear, she would have lost her blessing. Saul lost but came to him as the Jeroboam. They had a blessing from God because they both had favor from God. But they lost it because... Their words were shaped by a fear. In John chapter 14, verse 25, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. God is giving you His peace. It is not something that you earn. It is not something that you develop. It is something that you have. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Now what is the state of not being troubled and not being in fear? What is that state? Most would see this as a state that is absent of fears, worries, and troubles. How many of you have seen this and consider it to just be a state of, uh, of uh, absence of fear? This is where we need to be. I need to be absent of fear. That if I am going along and God has told me this is what you can have, this is what you're going to do, well, let's just go take it into health reigns. If you're in a health thing and the doctor comes and he says you have terminal whatever, how many think on the inside of you that would produce some feelings? You would have some feelings of, you could have some feelings of fear. Now, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I've envisioned myself in a doctor's office getting that news. Every time I envisioned it, I had the same reaction. Glory to God. <laughs> because it's a win-win situation. Either I win and I get the, I get the victory over the thing, or I'm in heaven. I mean, how can you, how can you lose? I have a hard time getting upset. <laughs> getting fearful or worried. I just, I've envisioned, I put myself in that position. I can't see myself getting fearful and worried. Now you might, I don't, I don't know. And I may be stupid for doing it this way. I, I don't know. But I just get excited no matter what way it goes. Cause either way I win. Get yourself in a place where, where fear can't grip you. It'll certainly help. For this, but most of us see this as a state that is absent of fears, worries, and troubles. This is where we need to be. And if I have worries, don't raise your hand on this, use your inside hand. How many of you have worries that you can't seem to shake? 
How many of you have some troubles, just can't seem to get rid of them? It kind of troubles you. Yeah, all right. So, are you in a place where God can't bless you because you got those worries and those troubles? How am I supposed to achieve this kind of a state of being absent of fears, worries, and troubles? Now, as I said, God, what God tells us to do, it's always achievable. If God tells you to be in a certain state, it is always achievable. It is something that you can do. Now, this word here, trouble, this, this word here, trouble, is the Greek word tarasso. I have a long definition. I gave you a short one. But I'll read the whole thing to you because you'll enjoy it. It means to agitate trouble to cause one inward commotion. All right, that's what I gave you. Here's the rest of it. It just wouldn't fit. I didn't try and take it out for any other reason. It just didn't fit. <laughs> take away his, take away his calmness of mind. Disturb his stability or composure. To disquiet. To make restless. To stir up. To trouble by striking one's spirit with fear and dread. To render anxious or distressed. To perplex the mind of one by suggesting scruples or doubts. That last one was my favorite. Now this is kind of a compilation of a, of a number of different uh, sources that I have. But this last one, to perplex the mind of one by suggesting scruples or doubts. Now this word can be used very often when you're talking about troubled waters. You have waters and when things come down upon the water and trouble the water. But he says, let's read this verse again, let not your heart be troubled. In other words, let not your heart be agitated, inward, having inward commotion, lack of calmness. I'm just taking the definition and just kind of putting it into here. Lack of calmness, disturbed to the point of not having stability or composure. Restless, stirred up, troubled by striking one's spirit with fear and dread, rendered anxious or distressed or perplexed, suggesting scruples or doubts. So he says, let not your heart be in this state. Now we're going to work on this word be here. In fact, you saw I put the title of this thing, being. What is it to be being? When he says, be not afraid, how do I achieve the state of being? How do I achieve that? So we want to make sure that you know how to, how to do this because actually what God is calling for is a lot easier than most of us think. And if the devil can complicate it, if he can make it harder for you to attain to, then um, you feel like, well, I just can't get there. There's, there's just no way I, I can get that. I, I just can't do it. If that's the level I have to get to, I, I'm not going to be able to make it. And so what happens is we are outwardly pursuing it, but inwardly we've given up. Because I realize I can't make it. I, I just can't do it. If you were in, if you were an athlete, put it into an athlete stand, say that you were an athlete basketball player. And you just, you were good at basketball. You could dribble that ball. You could shoot that ball. You could do all kinds of stuff. But when you got on the field of play, you were not as good. 
as the people that were on the floor. And you tried and you tried and you tried, but there comes a point where sometimes we just begin to think, I can't get there. And so I may still be showing up at practice. I may still be going out there and shooting the basketball. But inwardly, I've given up. Inwardly, I don't think I can start. I don't even think I can be on the team. It's just a matter of time until they come and say, we don't have room for you anymore. We're just going through the motions. And sometimes Christians are just going through the motions. Because I don't think I can get to the state that God is asking me to be in. Then we don't want to put it off and say God's being unreasonable. We just say, I'm no good. I'm not as good as I need to be. I'm not as spiritual as I need to be. It's my fault. I realize it's my fault, but I just can't get there. Because what happened was we had allowed it to come inside a wrong expectation. Someone sowed a wrong expectation in us. And we didn't know enough of the word to combat it. So, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. How many, we can use your outside hands this time, how many have never been afraid? You are all on your way to hell. <laughs> well, we know that's not true, right? <laughs> I know that that's, that's not going to land me in the in hell. But the word here for afraid means to be timid or to be afraid or fearful. It is the only time this word is used in the New Testament. This word is not used any other time. But there is a word that is very close to it. In fact, if you look at the Strong's numbers, the Strong's number of this word is one less than the one I just read to you. That's how close they are. Very close in spelling, but they are different words. Here's a verse where this other word was used. You are all very familiar with it. In Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. That's the same place it is here. So we have the one place where it is translated afraid, to be timid or to be afraid, fearful. And the other one, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. I think a lot of this is just two different words. One's a noun, one's a verb or some kind of thing like that. Um, I didn't I didn't write that down or, or look that up uh, close enough. But anyway, you get the idea. So we have to define how is it that God wants me to stay away from fear? And how is it that God wants me to stay away from being troubled? Because if I put my expectation on this, I'm thinking I can never be troubled and I can never be afraid. But I'm going to show you something in the Word of God. And when we get done, you will find out and you will see. You can be afraid and still be in faith. How many of you would, that would help you if you could find, if you could know, I could be afraid and still be in faith? Would that help anybody here? Let's go. I called this naked and afraid because it sounded good. <laughs> I think there's a TV show out there by that name. I didn't go and watch the thing. It just didn't have any appeal to me. Not that, not saying that you're wrong if you did. I'm just, I had no appeal to me. I don't like the reality TV shows. I just, there isn't one out there that I found that interests me from the commercials. So I never watched any. But anyway, naked and afraid. Genesis chapter 3 verse 6. Now we're not going over the entire story of the fall of man. Because you all know this one pretty well. 
But I want to take a look at these verses in particular. This is after they had been gone to the tree, after they took the fruit, and after, you know, the temptation of the devil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave her husband with her and he ate. And then the eyes of the both of them were open and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Why did they hide themselves? Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. (laughs) And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Now, just a side note. This is not anything of importance for what we're getting into here, but just a side note. When they realized they were naked, what did they do? They sewed fig leaves together, right? When they were naked, what did, what did Jesus do in the garden? What did He take out of the garden for them? He made for them what? Skins. To, to do that. But I want you to see something here. What you have in these clothings is the plan of redemption. When they were in the garden, they realized they were naked. They did the best they could do, which was leaves. When Jesus came on the scene, he said, those leaves aren't going to quite cut it. I've got something. I've got an idea of how we can make this a little bit last a little bit longer. He made them clothes out of the skins of animals. They won't last forever, but they sure will last a lot longer. But in the same chapter, he did this. He declared over them the plan of redemption that the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head and his plan for taking out the sin. So what you had here is in the clothes that they made is you have the works of the law that people try and do to get themselves covered. And what Jesus did by going into the garden and taking out the skins is he is basically a type of the sacrifice which would take care of redemption for a time. But it would not be a permanent solution. And then he declared that the Savior would come, Messiah would come and take away that sin. That redemption would be permanent. So here in this very story, you have the temporary coverings that man tries to do. You have the more permanent in the sacrifice that God instituted, all pointing to the Messiah who would come and redeem them forever. Did you see that in the scriptures there before? But we said that's a side note. That's not really what we're getting into here. Now, they were without trouble and they were without fear until they ate of the tree, right? But they picked up both of those things when they sinned. They picked up trouble and they picked up fear. They were stirred up. They were agitated. And they were they came into fear because of Jesus coming into the garden. So this sin did this to them. Now, they hid themselves because they became aware of something that previously hadn't bothered them. They became aware of something. Before this, they were naked, but they didn't bother them. But now they became aware of it. Do you know that sometimes the devil can make you aware of things that are of no bother to God? No concern to him at all? But he'll suddenly get your attention on it, and now you're concerned. 
And in some of these areas in the trouble and fear, you will see this. Because I'm going to show you from Scripture that some of us are bothered by some things that God is not bothered by. But the devil points it out to you. You see that? God doesn't like that. That's why you haven't got your answer yet. That's why things aren't working yet. Oh, that's why. Oh, i got to get rid of those things. And God's saying, it's okay with you guys being naked before. I don't see why this is the problem. See, before they had been covered by the glory of God, but when they, that left, when they embraced sin, in this, in the conscious of, consciousness of sin, we become aware of things that we were unaware of before. If we go over to Genesis chapter 15, looking at Abraham, Genesis chapter 15 and verse 1, I didn't pull that one in. I'll read it from the screen here. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Do not be afraid, Abram. Now, this guy Abram was afraid of a lot of things. He seems to have fear in leaving his family, doesn't he? God says, leave your family. What's he do? Takes the whole clan up to Haran. He gets stuck up there for, for a little while. His father dies. God uh, calls him on. Come on, let's go. And so he takes his his, uh, his, his uh, nephew there, Lot. He still hasn't quite done what the Scripture said. Leave your family. He didn't do it. He gets to Canaan. He finds no food. He becomes afraid. He goes down to Egypt. He gets to Egypt. He becomes afraid because they're going to kill me before my beautiful wife. Later on here in this chapter, he's afraid of dying without an offspring. He got, he can be afraid of a lot of things. There are some areas in his life he is not afraid of. And we see some areas he, he flourishes in, there's no fear. But certain ones, this fear seems to come in and they're holding the back. But he does get over it and then Isaac is born. Even takes him to Mount Moriah, ready to sacrifice him. Even though God said this is where the blessing is going to come from, he's ready to kill him. He's not afraid that God can't do it. In um, Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. He told them, do not be afraid. It is estimated there are two to four million people that make up Israel. Two to four million people are commanded, do not be afraid. How many of you, how many of them do you think obeyed? Let's take a look at Israel's history. Before they got to the Red Sea. How'd they do on obeying God? How'd they do through the ten plagues? They didn't do very well, did they? Yeah. They, they didn't score very high. How many of you would think that maybe half of them obeyed? Not a soul. How many of you think that maybe a quarter of them obeyed? Nobody. How many think maybe a tenth of them obeyed? All right, we got a few hands on that. How many of you think that maybe six obeyed? <laughs> He said, do not be afraid. What happened with the Red Sea? What happened to, when they came to the Red Sea? Did it part? Did it come back over on the Egyptians? Did they walk across on dry land? How could that be if most of them are afraid? 
Do you need a miracle that is greater than the crossing of the Red Sea and the wiping out of the Egyptian army? Probably not, huh? And yet they got this when probably most of them are still walking in fear. How good would you be at walking through a Red Sea with water piled up on your right and water piled up on your left? You've never seen this happen before. How let, how much of a lack of trouble would there be? And you'd just be walking through, oh boy, this is fun. <laughs> how many of you looking at this? I'm not sure about this. I've never seen this happen. How do we know that this is not going to cave on in? If you think that you might have been able to with all the teaching that you had, what do you think they did? And yet the Red Sea parted. They walked across on dry ground. They didn't walk across on some people on dry ground and those that were doubting on wet ground. That didn't happen. They all walked across on dry ground and all the Egyptians who came in after them died. Kind of interesting, isn't it? In Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 1, When you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses, chariots, and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you who brought you up from the land of Egypt. So it shall be when you are on the verge of battle that the priest shall approach and speak to the people and he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint nor do not be afraid. Do not tremble or be terrified. Kind of sounds like the same stuff there, huh? Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Do not be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. So this is what they're told. They went in the battle. I want you to think back to all the stories that you have read about Israel going into battle in the land of Canaan. Even in time leading up to it. Can you think of a single time where certain families or certain individuals were, were pulled out because they were in fear. Can you think of it? Can you think of? I can, I can think of one time, and that's with Gideon. And Gideon said, "How many are fearful?" And some of them raised their hand, and so they were dismissed and go home. They weren't dismissed to go home because they would mess up with their fear. They were dismissed to go home because they had too many. The only reason they were sent home, we have too many. Let's try and divide this up into groups. How many of you really don't want to be here? <laughs> I don't want to be here. All right, you can go. But it would have been okay for them to go, except that they had too many. And, the mo- and God's reasoning for that was, if there's too many Israelites, the Israelites will think they did it. They had to know they did not do this. Because even after we did that, what did God say? There's still too many. <laughs> so we got all non-fearful people going into battle. If that's the key, we're ready. All right, let's go on. We don't belabor all that. In, in chapter 31, verse 6, Moses again to all Israel and Joshua, Be strong and of good courage. Do not be, be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. So he's talking to Joshua and he's talking to all of Israel. This is what you're going to do. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. Again, all through the book of Joshua, we never find a time where Joshua says, you know what, guys, you can't go because you're afraid. You've got to stay back. 
I don't find a single time that that occurred. So if that is a big deal in us accomplishing what we need to do, why is it that nowhere in Scripture, outside of the episode with Gideon, do we ever find that fear being mentioned as a reason to get people out of the battle? Why would that be? And yet, how many times has the enemy disqualified you because you have fear? Well, the reason you didn't get healed, well, the reason you didn't get that, well, the reason this didn't work, is because you had fear. You have to get rid of that fear. All right, let's go on to another place. In, um, I think it's Second Kings. I didn't put the, I did put it in there. It just, it just uh, messed up. Second Kings 1, And the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go down with him, do not be afraid of him. So he arose and went down with him to the king. This is the big one, I want you to see this. This is a story where Elijah had, had uh, was being sought after. And so they came with a group of, of soldiers, 50. And they said, Get down here. And he said, If I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and burn you up. Fire came down from heaven and burned them up. Then the king sent a second batch, 50 men, commander. Get down here, you're going to the king. He said, if I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and burn you up. Fire came down from heaven, burned them up. So the third guy came and he's a little bit wiser. And he says, look, don't burn us up. <laughs> We're just on assignment. Um, and he was very respectful. And so this is when God says to him, do not be afraid. Go down with him. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Go ahead and go down. Why would he be afraid? Because this is one man going before a king and the king's mad at him. He has a, he wants to find out, am I going to recover from this disease? And he's going to have to deliver to him. No, you're going to die. <laughs> and he did die. But this really helps us out in here. Is Elijah in fear. Now, first off, if he was not in a state of fear to begin with, why would God say it? Wouldn't that be right? Go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So something must have been in Elijah. Because God's just not going to speak this out. Just... Say something that has no meaning. There must have been something in Elijah that caused him to, I'm not sure about going. I liked it better when fire came down and burned him up. Go down with him and do not be afraid of him. So he rose and went down with him to the king. Do we know from the scripture if Elijah left the fear behind? Take a look at it. Examine it. Check it out. Do we know from the scripture if Elijah left the fear behind? Did he stop being afraid? Is there any mention of it in there? Isn't, is there? Why, if fear and the ha having the fear is so important and we can deduce that it is because how many times in the Word of God are we exhorted, do not be afraid? Wouldn't that raise it up to a certain level of importance? Then why is it we are never told that they stopped having fear? We got more stories to look at and I didn't even put all of them in your outline. 
but we're going to go through a few more. How is it that in every single one of the stories we look at, including this one, the fear is addressed in the beginning, but it is never talked about after that? How do we know that they stopped having fear? Because the command is this. For, for Elijah, there's two commands to this, right? The one is, don't be afraid. The other is, go. Which one from the Word of God do we know that he obeyed? Go. There. Which one from the Word of God in the book of Exodus do we know that the Israelites obeyed? Not being afraid? Or go? Did not all of Israel walk through the Red Sea? But we don't know how many of them stopped being afraid. Isn't it interesting that we don't know how many of them stopped being afraid? but we know that every one of them went. Isn't it interesting that we don't know if Elijah stopped being afraid, but we know that Elijah went. You see, that gives us a clue as to what God is trying to tell us to do here. In Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 15, and later on in chapter 32 and verse 7, Jehoshaphat exhorts the people, He tells them to not be afraid. They're going into battle. Both of these times they're going into battle against large numbers. And he tells them, do not be afraid. In the story, which we all know real well, we know the story in Chronicles. You know, this is where they put the praisers out in front. In the story, are we told anywhere in the story that they stopped being afraid? What are we told in the story? That they went. We are not told that they stopped being afraid. We are only told that they went. Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter 4, 14, he exhorts the people, do not be afraid. They're trying to work on some stuff. They're trying to build some things. And the enemy came on over to try and instill fear in them. And Nehemiah is telling them, keep working. We're keep, we're going to keep building the temple. We're going to keep building the wall. Nehemiah is building the wall. And they were out there building the wall. They had a sword in one hand, working with the other. But they kept working, didn't they? They kept going to the wall to build the wall. Most all of the words from the prophets involve the terminology, do not be afraid. And then it tells them to Go and do something. And sometimes they listened and sometimes they didn't. Most of the things that we see in the prophets, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, the minor prophets, most of the times we see things in there, we are told about what they did, whether they went or whether they stayed, whether they obeyed or whether they didn't. We are not told about the fear. Joseph in Matthew chapter 1 verse 20, do not be afraid. Mary in Luke chapter 1 verse 30, do not be afraid. Do we know if they stop being afraid? No. What do we know from the scripture? That Joseph did what God told him to do and that Mary did what she was supposed to do. Right? Mark chapter 5, verse 36. I'm going to read this off the screen if you have that there. Mark chapter 5, verse 36. 
Very famous story. We all know this well. We're not dealing with the woman with the issue of blood right now. We're going to go back over here and, and look at Jairus. As, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, that's when the people came and they said, don't bother the, the teacher anymore. Your daughter is dead. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. believe. Is there anything in that story that tells us that Jairus stopped being afraid? No. But what we do have is that the other people in the story said some things and exposed their unbelief. What did Jairus say that exposed his unbelief? Not a word. Not a word. We're not told about his state of his freer. And yet this is what Jesus says. Do not be afraid, only believe. Wouldn't you think that if he was walking along, can you imagine this way? Jairus says, all right, let's go. And so we're walking along. Could you imagine this in the story? Jesus all of a sudden stops and says, wait a minute, wait. I said, don't be afraid. You need to stop that right now. Stop being afraid. We're not going. But that doesn't happen, does it? Why is it that that doesn't happen? All right, you ready for this one? This is in your outline. I want to make sure you got this. The difference between one who is fearful and one who is not afraid is what they do. The only difference in the word between one who is fearful and one who is not afraid is what they do. Now, I can go through the Scriptures too and show you some people who didn't do what they were supposed to do and the Bible cites because they were afraid. The only fear, this is not in your outline, you can write this down if you want to. The only fear that God is concerned about in your life, the only fear that He is concerned about in your life is the fear that stops you from doing what you're supposed to do. If any fear that you've got in your life does not stop you from doing what you're supposed to be doing, God doesn't care. You can do what you need to do and still have feelings of fear on the inside, but you see, you're doing it. What's that, uh, that saying they have? A hero is not one who doesn't have fear. A hero is one who does it instead of, in spite of the fear. God is concerned with what you do. He is saying, don't be afraid. Don't be acting out on the fear. Act out. In another, another way, God has said, let's go, let's do this. God has said, go with them, don't be afraid. God has said, go through the Red Sea. And so they went through. The difference in your life is whether you do or don't do what God says to do. That's it. Because the people who don't do what God said to do did it because of fear. I'll throw out a couple of names to you. Jeroboam. God told him, serve me and I'll make your house an enduring house like the house of David. As soon as he takes the throne, what's Jeroboam do? He became afraid. They're going to go back to the house of David. Here's what I'll do. 
I'll make them new gods. We'll put them here. We made new feast days. We made new priests. They don't depend on going down to Jerusalem anymore. They're just going to stay right here. He acted on his fear. The other people acted on what God said. As long as you don't let your fear stop you from acting on what God said, you're okay. Does that help you? Now, understand this. I didn't take all the scriptures out. I didn't take all the stories out. I had to leave a lot of them on the, on the drafting table. <laughs> There's just too many of them to get into here. But you can go through and, and think of some more. God's not, cons- he, he tells you don't be afraid. But he doesn't, not even one time does he get into their minds and say, wait a minute, hold on. I'm, I'm picking up a little bit of fear here. Could you see Jesus working in the word of knowledge? And he says, you know what? I'm just, I'm just getting something in the spirit. You got some fear in you. And that's what's keeping us from, from getting this thing done. He doesn't do that. <laughs> and yet the devil has us bound up thinking that's what God's looking at all the time. Let's take a look at this word troubled. In Luke chapter 10 verse 41, and Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Remember, she's over there in the kitchen getting things ready for the food for the group that's out there in the living room. They're all sitting down, including her sister Mary. Sitting down there getting the Word of God. We've looked over this story before. Martha doesn't ask whether anybody wants anything to eat. She doesn't ask Jesus, Jesus, do you want me to prepare some food? She just goes right at it. Well, we got people in the house, we got to prepare some food. How many people can relate to that? Got people in the house, I got to feed them. Don't matter if they're not hungry. People in the house, we got to feed them. And so we're looking around for things to, to do. And Martha is expecting Mary to be in here. And she's kind of worried about, upset that Mary's not. And Martha gets so overcome with it, she comes out and says, Master, don't you even care enough to get my sister? Kick my sister out here. Get her over here to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Now, this word troubled, I, I went through into some stuff and we're not going to do with any of it today, but down the road, maybe sometime we'll do this. Do you know that there are 13 Greek words translated trouble? 13 Greek words translated trouble. How many Greek words are translated love? Four. There's actually five or four in the New Testament. And, and how many of you have been blessed by knowing what all those four different types of words are? Because Greek is a very descriptive language. Now, can you imagine 13? 13 different words that we translate in our, our vocabula- vocabulary as troubled. Seems like there's a gold mine out there for me. We'll get there sometime. You are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. So you could have chosen anything you wanted to. You chose to be in there in the kitchen making all this stuff up. In other words, Jesus didn't tell her to be in there. (laughs) You're worried and troubled about many things. Jesus did not assign these worries and troubles to her. She picked them up on her own. Now Martha's trouble 
has her focused on the wrong things. She's focused on the wrong things. Mary is focused on hearing the word of God. Martha is focused on, where is that flower? I know I got another bag of flour at the store. Where did I put it? That's what she's focused on. Mary is focused on the wrong things. You see, if the devil can get in and trouble you, get you in a place of being troubled, he's got you focused on the wrong things. And you are taking in the wrong stuff. Now, in our day and age, there's a whole lot going out there in the world that wants to get people in fear. They want you to live in fear every day. I put that uh, that quote in the bulletin for you for a reason. This goes all the way back to Abraham Lincoln. Did you see it? Daryl, Daryl's always let me know. Oh, I like that one. I appreciate that, Daryl. Abraham Lincoln. If I am killed, I die but once. But to live in constant dread of it is to die over and over again. What are they trying to get you to do now? Live in constant fear, dying every single day. That is garbage. I'm not living that way. I'm not about to live that way. I told you the story before. My my running buddy got exposed to COVID. He called me up in the morning. He says, I know what your answer is going to be, but my wife made me call you. <laughs> he said... I got worked on, I got a massage, and they called me up the next day, and the lady, uh, that, or the person, whoever it was that did it, did the uh, massage, the, or the chiropractor treat, whatever kind of thing was, he was back with sore. So uh, whatever it was, they called and they talked to my wife, and they were real concerned, and they said, uh, you know, you're, you're exposed, you should probably go in quarantine. I'm just calling you up, let you know, if you don't want to run with me, it's okay. I said, that's garbage. I said, we're going to run like we always do. We don't run with a mask on. We just run. We ran right next to each other like, like, like we did before. I'm not getting in. I'm not changing my lifestyle. I didn't change it for H1N1. I didn't change it for swine. I didn't change it for bird. I didn't change it for any of those flus that they named. None of them. I'm not going to change it for this one. I don't change my lifestyle. We haven't changed our lifestyle around here. We still hug on each other. We still shake hands. We didn't change that. I thought of it sometimes, you know, when the height of it last, last about a year ago, I was out there and, you know, Keith and Vanessa, they were leaving. They were generally always the last ones to leave. And so we're out there and I, I'm just giving them a hug. Hey, we'll see you later. And I just thought, I said, you know, we're out here in public. People are probably going to call the cops on this. Right? <laughs> 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 just, well, let them do it. <laughs> That's all right. I'm not changing my lifestyle for that. You see, if fear gets you to change what you do, then it's a fear that concerns God. If the fear is there, but it doesn't cause you to change, God don't care. Did you do what you're supposed to do? Yes, sir. That's good. I want you to think back in the Old Testament. I want you to think back to a story. How afraid... Were Daniel's three buddies about going into the fiery furnace? How afraid were they? Do you remember from the scripture? You remember that scripture tells you about how afraid they were? Can you can you think about that? Can you can't? You mean there's no scripture that tells you how afraid they were? Oh well, that's probably the wrong story. 
Can you think back to Daniel? And Daniel is about to get thrown into the lion's den. Can you think of the scripture that talks about how afraid Daniel was? How afraid would you be if you're about being ready to toss into a lion's den? Fiery furnace? Would that generate some fear? If it does, how come there's nothing recorded about how much fear they had? Did it stop? Did the fear, if Daniel had any at all, did it stop him from doing what he was supposed to do? Did it stop the others? Didn't stop them, did it? They still did what they were supposed to do. God does not care about fear in your life when it doesn't stop you from doing what He said. From believing what He said, from trusting what He said, from doing what He said. That's all He's concerned about. So if you are troubled, you are feeding or focusing on the wrong things. If you feed and focus on all this stuff, this garbage that they're throwing out about the virus. You remember a year, a year ago, what's it, or March? I think it was, I think it was March. There was a particular Wednesday night, we dealt with it. It was about a year ago and I told folks about virus, cause I have a background on this stuff. It's 30, 40 years old. But I still think I know more than some people who know on this thing. <laughs> And we told you what a virus was and how it comes about and, and what you do to combat it and, and, um, cause a lot of things were going around that just were, were false about it. I also told you that their numbers didn't work. If you remember, you're around on that, you, you can confirm. I told you, here's the contagious rate. Here's how many people are dying from it. Just from the numbers that they had published. And here's the numbers that they want to try and get you to say that they're, they're going to die from it. That does not work. You cannot get there by those numbers. And I told you the only way that they're going to get there is if they fabricate the numbers. Which is what they did. They fabricated the numbers. And they make you think the more people are dying from it than are. I never told you that the disease wasn't going to kill anybody. I never told you that H1N1 wasn't going to kill anybody. I never told you that bird flu wasn't going to kill anybody. I didn't tell you that swine flu wasn't going to kill anybody. I didn't tell you that MERS or SARS wasn't going to kill anybody. I just said I'm not walking in fear of them. I'm going to go out there and live my life. I'm going to go out there and interact with people. We have people that come over, work here in the church. We have people that uh, come over and work in the house. As soon as they come on over here, I let them know. You can wear the mask if you want to, but you don't have to on my account. I leave that to them. One guy, he came on out here, he's working on some stuff for the church for us. And so he came on out. He got out of the truck. I said, you can wear that if you want to, but you don't have to for me. He said, really? <laughs> Put it away. Now, there's some people who put on masks, and I want to, don't, I'm not trying to put in any condemnation whether you wear them or not. You know, some places you go out to, sometimes it's just less of a battle to, to throw it on than, than, uh, than otherwise. I understand that, and don't, don't think for a moment that I'm, um, you know, saying, well, you're, you're just not in faith if you do it. That's, that's garbage. You can't, you can't base it on that sort of stuff. Don't, uh, don't be fretting about it. Don't be, don't be worried about it. Some people put on a mask because they say, well, I work with some older people. And they're concerned. They're the vulnerable population. They're the ones that uh, really have to, to um, be yet to be looking out for the older the older population. So they put them on to protect them, and that's fine if they need to do that. And don't you don't be out there and condemn anybody. They want to have one on. Fine. See, I'm a, I'm not about to legislate and make everybody put it on or take it off. You can do what you want to. I'm just not putting it on. And that's all. But I'm, you see, if my behavior changes 
because of the fear of something that's going on out there. That's the fear that gets God's attention. That's the fear. But if you've got fear on the inside, I'm just not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not kind of wondering about this sort of thing. That's not the fear that gets that gets the attention. How many remember Rick Renner, Brother Rick Renner? Anybody not know Brother Rick Renner by now? Brother Rick Renner, missionary, missionary apostle. <laughs> took it over to, uh, took the gospel over to Soviet Union. And yes, he is an apostle. I don't know how many churches he has started. He's got, and then thousands of other churches that are started by ministries underneath him. He's just, you know, covering the entire uh, area over there, former Soviet Union, with the gospel. Great, uh, great thing. I don't know if you know this about him, but uh, Brother Rick has a fear of heights. In specific, specifically as a fear of bridges. A paralyzing fear of bridges. He's still a man of faith and power, right? <laughs> he surely is, but he has a paralyzing fear. I mean, he gets out on that bridge and everything freezes. And he tried to get across this one bridge. He told him what the bridge was, and I don't know what it is. Um, but it's one of those things that goes over some big gorge. And, you know, it's not the... It's not the nice rock solid type of a bridge. It has some sway to it. He's walking across and he's trying, he's trying. His wife is helping, his wife is helping. Come on, honey, come on, honey, you can do it. <laughs> he's trying to get across that bridge and he just is, he's just frozen. He just can't do it. But uh, he does talk about the time when he, he got over that fear and he walked right across. You see, that's a fear that keeps you from doing now, going across the bridge, God could care less whether you go across the bridge or not. But God would care about it if he said, I need you over there. See, the fear thing is what has God told you to do and will your fear stop you? That is what gets God's attention. In Acts chapter 18, verse 9, Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak. And do not keep silent. He wanted him to do something. Fear would try and get him to not speak. Basically not preach the word. Acts twenty-seven twenty-four. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. This is talking about the ship. And he's on the ship's going down. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. All right. We got to shed the fear. This is what the end result is. We've got to shed the fear because we've got to do some things. And you need them to be doing some things. First Peter 3.13 And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. What threats would they make? Stop doing blank. Stop preaching in Jesus' name. Stop healing people. Stop whatever it might be. They would threaten them and try and get them by the fear to quit doing what God said to do. That is a fear that gets God's attention. Peter, on the night when Jesus was crucified, he's in there in a trial. Peter goes before and he comes out to the to the garden and he starts to warm his hands and the servant girl says to him, you are one of them. And what's he do? Denies Jesus because of what? Fear. And he had to be restored. Did it three times. Jesus tried to get him ready for it, but he wouldn't be bothered with it. 
kept falling asleep. If you are troubled, you are feeding and focused on the wrong things. Now, I told you before, this, this is just how I do it. You can do it any way you want. I don't have scripture on this. This is just how I do it. I don't keep masks around in my trucks where they're in my, my view. I don't want to see them. I don't want to be mindful of them. I don't want to be, I don't listen to the news. I have my ways of getting what's going on. I don't, I'm not ignorant of this. I'm probably up on it than more people are. But I have ways of getting it. It doesn't feed me all that junk. I don't, if I feed on that, I'm going to get troubled. When I get troubled, I begin to walk into fear. You don't need to do that. Stay out of the trouble. I just focus on what the Word of God says. What does God say about viruses? What does God say about standing up for the truth when the, when the world wants you to acknowledge any marriage that they come up with? And right now, it's marriages between men and men and women and women. But uh, the day is coming, folks, where some, some gal out there is going to want to marry her cat. Just going to keep making this marriage thing ridiculous. People are confused as to what restroom to use. I'm not going to stop making a stand on these things. And if you become fearful and don't do it, that's a fear that gets God's attention. Don't do it. Don't, don't get into that type of fear. Make sure that, uh, that you're feeding on the right things. Troubled, you, you'll become troubled when you're feeding or focused on the wrong things like Martha was. Also, we can be afraid. If you're, if you're afraid, you are probably doing the wrong things. If I am doing things based upon my fears, I am probably doing the wrong things. Don't do things because of fear. Well, I'm afraid if that happens, so I won't do that. Whatever the thing might be. Don't do things because of fear. What does God say to do? Well, go out there and do that. That's all we got to do. All right, almost finished on it here. It is not a matter of being perfect in what you feel. And that's where the enemy is trying to get you to be. He wants you to get to be perfect in what you feel. That you only feel the right things. You always feel faith. You don't ever feel fear. Trying to get to that state. It is not a matter of being perfect in what you feel, but in being obedient in what you do and say. Got one more story to tell you. Got to be obedient in what you do and say. Bring you to one more story. Jesus in the garden. He is praying before God. And his prayer is, Not my will, but your will be done. Which tells us that at that point, Jesus has something that he would like to see done and he knows it's different from what God wants done. But Jesus is more at ease with how he can see this playing out than the way God has it played out. Isn't that what's going on in the garden? And in fact, he got so worked up on this thing, he began to sweat blood. And you all know the conditions and things that are going on with that. How many would say that Jesus' feelings weren't perfect at this point? And yet he is without sin. Because when he got up from the garden, what did he do? What God told him to do. The enemy wants you hung up on your feelings. I got to get them right. 
I got to get rid of all the fear. I got to get rid of all the worries and all the cares and all the anxieties. I got to get rid of them all. God is concerned about what you do. He wants obedience. And even if you obey with some fear and trembling, oh God, I know you're telling me to do this, but boy, I tell you, I just, <laughs> I've never done this. I've never stepped out in this before. Oh man. But I'm doing it. Because you told me to do it, I'm going to do it. Think of it this way. Put yourself in a mom and dad situation. If you have never been in a mom and dad situation, try and picture yourself in a mom and dad situation. And you have told your son or your daughter, I need you to do this. And they say, okay. And they go out in there and they do it. Ah, I mean, that's all right. Glory to God. That's good. But what if uh, you tell your son or your daughter, I need you to do this thing. And they say, oh man, you're you're pushing pushing me. Mama, pop your boy. I'm so scared to do this. But if you told me to do it, it has to be for a good reason. I will go out there and do it. Which son or daughter are you more proud of? Are you more pleased with? I'll put it to you that way. Which son or daughter are you more pleased with? Isn't the one who overcame their feelings to obey and do what you said? The enemy has held you in bondage because you have thought that your feelings were causing God to look down upon you. When actually, folks, it's the opposite that is true. When we have feelings that go against what it is that God has told us to do and we do what God said anyway, God says, wow, look at that. That is faith that can get my attention. That is obedience I can get behind. Glory to God. Have you seen, have you seen this one down here? Look at that one. Look at what they're doing. They're scared. And yet they're doing it anyway. Because I told them to. (laughs) I just get the vision that God is just thrilled that we're down here doing what He told us to do. Despite what it is that's there. When he saw Peter, when he saw Paul, when he saw John, when he saw the disciples going out there and preaching the gospel with all fervor, despite the threats that were given, what do you think he said? Look at them. Before that threw them. It's not throwing them now. Look at them preach. (laughs) Look at them go and lay hands on the sick. Look at them step out there and do these things. This is great. This is great. Would you all stand up with me? This morning we have communion. We look at Jesus on the cross, on his way to the cross. What we do not have is a Savior who couldn't wait to get to the cross. We don't have a Savior who, man, I can't wait to do this dying thing. I can't wait to get beat. Oh, I am so looking forward to getting beat. That's not what we have. We have a Savior that though this caused him great anguish and though he knew that the separation would be there between him and the Father, he still went and was obedient to the point of dying on the cross. In the same way that Jesus was obedient despite his feelings, he didn't let his feelings hold him back. In the same way. This is how we are to be. Don't let the enemy condemn you because of the feelings that might still be going on inside you. Just don't let those feelings keep you from doing 
what God said to do. What is God saying to you? Obedience to whatever it is that God says takes faith. Fear wants to keep you from that obedience. Jesus showed up in the garden for a couple of hours of prayer to get himself reassured on what the obedience was. Because he was not going to be obedient to his feelings. He was going to be obedient to his purpose and to what the will of God was. We can do the same thing. Don't let the enemy condemn you because of the feelings that might be going on on the inside of you. Because God is not condemning you. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this represents my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And as often as we do this, we ought to remember that on his body was put the curse that had been on us. Sickness, disease was put upon him. He bore it so that we don't have to. Jesus never walked into a crowd of sick people that they brought to him and was ever concerned about what might come back on him. He went in there and he healed. Generally, we're always told he healed them all. The body of Jesus Christ is powerful. And though we do this often, don't ever take it for granted. Let's eat together. The end of supper. He took the cup. He said, this represents the blood of the new covenant. The old covenant was just merely like the skins of animals. But this was permanent. This would take care of the sin problem forever. Just as Adam and Eve didn't need clothes in the garden before sin, we're going to be clothed with his righteousness and is a permanent solution. There is nothing that you need to add as far as fig leaves are concerned. They will pale in comparison to what he has done. And the skins of animals have been done away with. We now wear his righteousness. As we drink together, let's remember, we wear the righteousness of God. Glory to God. Father, we thank you. You don't require something of us that we cannot do. You don't look for us to be at a state that we cannot attain. But everything that you've asked us to do, we can do. We can obey even when our feelings are messed up. Because I can obey out of my faith, not out of my feelings. I thank you for the strength you showed us in Jesus Christ. The way he obeyed Regardless of what was going on on the inside of him, he obeyed. 
And that's an example that we can do. I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Live your life. Don't let the world try and make you die every day. Won't help you. But God has a wonderful life out here for us, regardless of whatever is going on. Thank you all for joining us here today. And as we, um, some of you folks were in your prayer reports saying all kinds of nice things. You're very kind. Hardly ever feel worthy of any of them. But I appreciate all those, uh, all those comments. Thank you very much. Have a blessed rest of your day. And enjoy some fellowship with each other before you have to get going.